let's read the story then, beginning in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at the first verse there. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people, the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has said. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may come too to worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I love this passage. It's about the Magi, or the the wise men, or the three kings. In Luke's gospel, we have the account of the shepherds. And we saw in that wonderful little drama that the kids did, the heavenly host up there. Wasn't that great? I loved them, with their crowns falling off, and their little dinosaurs, and their long yawns, yes. And it was great. It was fabulous. That's Luke's account. Luke kind of focuses on the ordinary people. But Matthew here, he's looking at something, a a bigger picture, stuttering at it, a bigger picture, and he's talking about those visitors from other nations, which in of itself fulfills a prophecy that those from other lands will come and worship Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. But when, before we rush on from our our uh, shepherds, can we just say this, that to be honest with you, we often think of, you know, you know, farmer types, but actually the truth of the matter is, and this is true to this day, that the shepherds were probably children and teenagers. Even in the two-thirds world in this day, it's the children and the young teenagers that get to look after the, the sheep. They are the, the, the kind of, it's the most menial of tasks and it's where you begin your working life, out there in the field. So these shepherds, and I want you to just remember this little thought, they are the kind of, the bottom rung of the food chain in the employment world. They're out there tending for these sheep, and, and very young they are too. And it's they who the heavenly host is revealed. It's to them that this message of a savior being born in Jerusalem is given. Hold that thought with you. Let's get back to the visit of the Magi, or the wise men, the three kings. We know certain about about these guys. First of all, we know that they were astronomers and astrologers. 
Those two uh, disciplines, if one can call it that, were one and the same in those days. The, star, the stars had been studied for, for, for generations, for centuries, but there was the whole astrological thing that was woven into that. You could call them, and forgive me if you're a scientist, but you could call them the scientists of their day. The, the study of the cosmos was something that was quite extraordinary. And interestingly enough, when we talk about the Christmas star, there's been a lot of study and a lot of research and a lot of thought that has gone into that. What could that have been? What could that have been? Well, it turns out that in that season, around about that time, possibly as early as, as, as Jesus' birth, the planet Jupiter and the planet Saturn came into what they call conjunction. That means they become so close that it appears that they are as one star. It would have been phenomenally bright. Of course, in our world today, when you step out into the garden at night and look up at the stars, with all the halogen street lighting and the light pollution, you can only see the brightest of stars. If you look in your, up to the stars tonight, you might see the planet Venus. It's that very bright star, that's, that's Venus. Well, in this part of the world, in the, in the, in around about the time that Jesus was born, there was an unusual happening, Jupiter, and Saturn came into conjunction. This is a fact, it's just the dates that are slightly, it's possibly three BC, although we're not entirely sure the actual date of Jesus' birth, so it's quite possible. Now to the astrologers, Jupiter is the kingly star. It's the ruler of all the stars. Saturn has a strong association with the Jews. So to the wise men, the magis, the astronomers, astrologers, examining the stars, they would have seen these two stars, planets coming together and, for, and, and in this pitch black night forming this extraordinary white star. These two planets in conjunction, kingly Jewish, kingly Jewish, kingly Jewish. And it is thought that this was the sign that started these magi, these wise men, these three kings on their travels. And they headed east, they headed east. The second thing we know about them is that they were both Gentiles and gentry. Gentiles meaning non-Jews. And as I said in my introduction, Matthew has a particular heart to, to speak the gospel, to tell the good news to the Jewish nation. But part of the message to the Jews is that the Jews will be a blessing to other nations. So Matthew is making a point here that the other nations too are to be included in this gift, this revelation of God's Son. So we know that they are Gentiles. We also know they are gentry as well because they have become commonly called, um, uh, they have become called kings. And we also know that they are rich and powerful. Why? Because of the gifts that they gave. Rich and powerful. They gave gold, they gave frankincense, and they gave myrrh. And to be honest with you, commentators have said that these gifts were so rare, so precious, the gold was relatively common, but frankincense and myrrh truly was a kingly gift. Even more than that, rich, gentrified people would make those gifts to gods. So these travelers from the east, probably from Persia, Iran, Iraq, something like that, they brought with them kingly gifts fit for a god, and they came to worship. 
So those are the little things that we can deduce about their presence. And then my question then, and this is, I suppose, getting to the nub of what I want to say, I want to ask the question, so who's missing? A hippopotamus, perhaps. (laughs) Who's missing? You see, I found myself intrigued as I was studying this again by the fact that we get the shepherds turning up in the stable, we get the three kings, the wise men, the magi, whatever you care to call them, turning up. But there should have been so many others. You know, Israel was a nation on high alert, high alert for their Messiah. You would have thought that with those signs in the heavens and with the strange going on, that they would have been, they would have been queuing up down the street to visit. But no such thing. Shepherds and magi, who's missing? 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10 lords are leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids are milking, seven swans are swimming, six geese are laying, five gold rings, four collie birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) Who's missing? It is an interesting question. Who is missing? How come, so how come they didn't get there? You know, how come the priests, when the Magi came to Herod's temple, when when they came to Herod's palace, how come the priests didn't think, this is interesting. Yeah, we're seeing the, the stars in the heavens. We're hearing rumors and we're expecting a Messiah. And now these three wise men, these men of power and influence have come all this way from the far eastern worlds to worship a king. How come they didn't say to the three kings, the wise men, the magi, hey, uh, can we, do you mind if we come along? Herod sent them searching through the scriptures. And in searching through the scriptures, they discovered that Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, Bethlehem was going to be the birthplace of of the Messiah. Now, there is a Bethlehem way in the far north and west, but there is also a Bethlehem, as many of you will know, that is just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. Why didn't the priests at that point say, we want to go with you? Why didn't the teachers of the law, they should have known. I mean, the priests were involved in the kind of, the, you know, the ritual, but the, the teachers of the law, they spent their lives studying the word of God about this precious Messiah, this one that was to come and deliver them. Yes, the nation was on high alert. Why weren't they on high alert and drawn, as it were, to that stable in Bethlehem? How come they didn't go? The shepherd and the magi, they get there. What do the shepherds, children and teenagers, the lowest rung of the sort of working society at that time, what do they have with common with the magi, the three kings? Rich, powerful, influential people. They were able to get an audience with Herod like that because of their status and their standing. Well, I think they do have something in common. Something that the priest didn't have. Something that the teachers of the Lord didn't have. These two disparate groups shared humility. 
And that is a Christly, messianic quality. Let's just look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 9. There are many passages that I could go to, to to prove or to teach this point for you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this. And this is Paul speaking to the church a little bit later on. And he says, you know the grace, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You see, there's something about the Christ child, there's something about Jesus, something about the Messiah, call him what you will, as long as Jesus is at the core of it. There's something about him that just exudes humility. Our God is a servant God. He laid all his glory aside to be born as a baby. Listen to my talk from last week if you want a little more insight and understanding on that. And the shepherds, they knew what they were. They were just a bunch of kids who'd been told to get out there and look after those sheep on the hills. They had no pretension, no power, no prosperity to fall back on, to go ahead of them and to commend them to others. They were just shepherds. They knew what they were. And the Lord God revealed his plans and purposes to them. But what about the three kings? I'll call them that. What about the three kings? The three kings, they were scientists who humbled themselves in their quest for truth. The wonderful thing about the very best of scientists, and I was listening to an interview on Thursday morning on Radio 4. The most wonderful question about scientists, they never stop asking why. They are lifelong learners. When the moment they think they've got it all sewn up and tied together, they get a little bit suspicious. And they go back. And these guys were the scientists of their days and they had it all sort of sewn up. But when they got to the obvious place, Jerusalem, we're going east, the king of the Jews is being born, they went to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem wasn't celebrating, there weren't parties in the street, there weren't you know, songs and Jewish dancing, the Messiah has come, it was all quiet. So they went to the king, and the king said, well, I don't know, don't look at me. They sought wisdom, And still the answer wasn't there. But instead of turning away and going home, and maybe many did start for for Jerusalem, start for Bethlehem. Maybe many, maybe there were 12 drummers dancing and goodness knows what else. But they turned back along the way because somebody told them something or they heard something or they saw something or there was a setback and they just turned back. But the three kings, they were humble in their heart. They humbled themselves And they kept asking why, and they pursued truth. They pursued and pressed on in. So when they were told that this two-donkey village in the sticks called Bethlehem was going to be the birthplace, they didn't go, oh, give me a break. Bethlehem, have you been there? It's flea-ridden. Blink twice, you're going to be through it. They went, okay, 
Let's, let's see it. Let's try. Let's test it. And they set their, their path for Bethlehem. They were aristocrats, yes, but they humbled themselves in search for a king. Too many people put on airs and graces. I was at a dinner, a, a secular Christmas dinner, my car club, and there's a guy there who, I have to be so careful with this, but his nickname is the Duke of Boxmore, and there is a reason. He isn't a duke, really, but he puts on airs and graces. And we were sat next to him, and it was an interesting experience. I've never met anyone quite like him. He likes to be called the Duke of Boxmore. How odd is that? We may have some real lords and ladies here. We may have some sirs. I do not know. But even though the three kings were, were, were gentry, were aristocrats, were wealthy and prosperous, they humbled themselves in their search for the king. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not in the palace in Jerusalem, which would be a reasonable assumption. He's where? That doesn't make sense. But we'll go there anyway. And finally, the truth of the matter is that they were pilgrims who humbled themselves in the presence of God. Pilgrims. You see, the shepherds and the three kings shared this Christ-like quality, this humility, in that they put the search for God above all things. And when all things around them seemed to say to them, this is the world, take it or leave it, they said, thank you, but we'd like to take another step. And that's our challenge today, our challenge in the West we think we know it all, or at least know more than other people. We may be struggling financially, but compared with the two-thirds world, we are powerful and prosperous. We, we think we've got life sewn up, and yet, as Mother Teresa observed, loneliness, not hunger, is the greatest scourge in the 20th, she lived in the 20th century, and it's true of the 21st. Loneliness is the greatest scourge of the 21st century. Are you happy? I hope so. The rich, the wealthy, recent research, government research has shown that actually the perception of whether or not happiness is at an all-time low. And so for us, this Christmas time, are we going to just kind of show up and then turn away? Are we going to be amongst those who were called but didn't make it? Or are we going to be those who are going to humble ourselves and press on in to the presence of God? The question I have for you, which is both challenge but comfort, the question I have for you is, will you make it to Bethlehem this year? Or will you get distracted in the bright lights of Jerusalem? Will you let the words of those that you deem wiser and more wonderful than you, the kings, the teachers, the law, will you let that deter you? Or like those shepherds, and like those three kings, 
Will you humble yourself? And will you come to Christ, the Savior of the world? Not made in your image, not the God you want him to be, but the humble king he truly is. And will you bend the knee before him? Ask him to be your savior and your king. Let's just pray. Can I have the worship team up, please? Well, we want to say thank you to you because there is much to celebrate in this season. And rightly so. There's much to enjoy. There's much to affirm. But at the very heart of it, Lord God, there is the truth that God has revealed himself, that God has been born as a baby. And Lord God, we hear the challenge to humble ourselves, all our wisdom and cleverness and prosperity. We hear the challenge to humble ourselves and bend the knee before the baby, the baby Jesus. And so, Lord, forgive us and come to us for your name's sake. Amen.